Well, good evening, and we do thank the Lord for all He's done for us. Isn't it great that our God and our Savior loved us so much that God sent His Son so He would die on the cross for our sins so that we could be reconciled to heaven? And uh, He's done so much for us in our lives, and I appreciated the message this morning from Brother Mike out of Acts chapter 2. And uh, tonight we're going to look at uh, Exodus chapter 12, and we're going to look at um, specifically the Passover. Uh, we'll look at that a little bit. Um, but just thinking about what our Savior did, did for us is just so exciting. And let me uh, pray again before I start. I always like to pray just before I start. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for all you did for us and all you continue to do for us. And Lord, you are our perfect Savior. You're our intercessor. Lord, you just, are, just do so many things for us. I pray as I speak tonight, keep my uh, message clear, help your word to go out with power so it will glorify you. And Lord, I just pray if anybody's watching tonight and doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, that they know that they'll, they'll, they'll know that you died for them and that they'll accept you as Savior. And those of us that do know you, help us to grow in our walk with you and to draw close to you. We praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, t- tonight you'll see the messages, uh, When the Lamb Took Our Place. And then our theme here is that God delivers his people. And like we said, we're going to be in the book of Exodus chapter 12 uh, this evening. And then how it fits. Uh, This lesson is set about 80 years after Moses' birth. God had raised up and prepared Moses and was ready to deliver his people out of the bondage in Egypt. God would lead them to the land he had promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, Then the next slide here says... Besides the major holidays, Christmas, Thanksgiving, etc., what are some annual celebrations your family observes? Where do these celebrations take place and who usually attends? What makes these celebrations so meaningful? How and when did these traditions or celebrations begin? Well, of course, we have birthdays and we have different things that we celebrate. Um, Our family gets together on Christmas Eve. That's kind of a special thing that we always do. And, uh, of course, we have other ones that we do, but what makes them special is that we, we, we celebrate with family and with friends. And um, this traditions begin different ways in different families. I know a lot of people that, for example, at Christmas time, they'll open maybe one gift on Christmas Eve and then um, the rest on Christmas. Or some people open all their gifts on Christmas Eve. Uh, just different things. And then different people celebrate things like New Year's differently. Um, if you look at the next slide, it's, we're going to be talking about the biblical account of the first Passover celebration that God told the Hebrews to celebrate every year. And, uh, in fact, we're going to see in the passage today that it says uh, to do it forever. It really literally says that in the passage that we look at tonight. Well, let's go to our first point here, which is God provides deliverance through the blood of of a lamb, which, of course, is Jesus. But in this case, we're talking about Passover. Passover. It says, in order to be delivered from slavery to Egypt, each Israelite family was instructed to sacrifice a lamb without defect or spot and apply its blood to the doorpost of their homes. And as you think about that, and you, you, you know, God tells us to do directly some things each time, but let's get right into the scripture here and uh, we'll look at what God had to say to his people. In verse uh, 1 of, Hebrew, or of Exodus chapter 12, I'm sorry, It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. 
And I read a little backstory on this where their, their year used to start in September. And when God changed it here, he literally changed it, what would have been of our September, of course. And um, the, the Canaanite name for it was Abib, meaning ear, because the grain was in the ear, it says. But later it was called by the Babylonian name, which you've probably heard this one, which is Nisan. Uh, and, and, but God changed here. He said, this is the beginning of your year now. This is how important it was to God. And then it says in verse 3 here, it says, Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. And so it tells you, okay, if you had a really small household, you could share one lamb. If not, if you needed the lamb for your whole household, then you, you took it. But the, the point was, all of the sacrifice was supposed, to be, was supposed to be taken. And then it says here in verse, the next verse, verse 5, it tells what the lamb had to be. It had to be a lamb with, with, that shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. And you might remember back, um, and a couple things, looking back, in the first sacrifice in, uh, that we have recorded in um, Genesis, and you talk about Cain and Abel. One did their sacrifice the right way, and one did theirs the wrong way. And God always has a plan and a purpose the way he wants things done. And then when we look forward as we compare this lamb that was sacrificed for the first Passover, and we, we project that forward to um, Christ, who was our perfect Savior, and he was without blemish or without spot. And so uh, we see the comparison very clearly between our Savior and this Lamb. And, of course, our, our Savior, Jesus, is called the Lamb of God. And so as we go forward a little bit more here, he tells you, it tells you when to happen here. It says, And you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take the blood and, and uh, strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door post of the houses, wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his head with his legs, and with the pertinence or his insides thereof. And then it says, And you shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. And that which remaineth of it until the morning you shall burn with fire. So there was supposed to be nothing left here. And he says, and thus you shall eat it, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand, and you shall eat in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Why would they have to eat it like this? Why would they eat with their loins girded? Why would they eat with their shoes on their feet? Why would they eat with their staff in their hand? Why should they eat it in, in haste? It means to eat it quickly. It says it's the Lord's Passover. Why? Because they're about to exit Egypt. And God's telling them, you gotta, you're going to be ready to go here because I'm going to lead you out. And you might remember at this point, they've been through nine of the plagues there in Egypt, and uh, the Egyptians have. And this next is going to be um, the tenth plague, really, literally, is the, is the death of the firstborn children. So he gives them specific instruction on the lamb. Gives them specific instruction how to cook it. it. says, don't eat it raw. You need to cook it. You need to consume all of it. And then whatever you can't consume, it goes into the fire. 
And then it said, you know, you can see in, this, in verse 11 where they're prepared and ready to go. And this is what Christ says next. He says, For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night. I will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. See, God is very clear that this judgment is coming from him. You might remember... I'm just going to read off a list here of the, I wasn't planning to do that, but I'm going to pull it up here, but of the other plagues here. Give me just a minute as I go through my notes here and pull that up. Okay, you might remember these are the different plagues they'd had so far. First one was that the Nile was turned to blood. The second one were the frogs. The third ones were the gnats. The fourth ones were swarms of flies. The fifth one was their livestock dying. The sixth one were boils on man and beast. The seventh one was heavy hailstorm. The eighth one, swarms of locusts. And the ninth one, complete darkness. And that's found in the chapter right before this. It's, it's found about complete darkness. But if you read that passage closely in Exodus 11, it says that the children of Israel had light in their homes. Very interesting. I hadn't seen that before until... Uh, this week when I study, was studying and that in, in chapter 11, it says that they still had the light. And so that's pretty neat that God provides for his people uh, regardless of what the trial is there. Well, let's get back to where we were. This is going to be the worst of all the plagues. And what happened was Pharaoh's heart just became more and more hardened. You'd think with each plague his, his heart would soften, but the opposite was true. God hardened his heart and he wouldn't let the people go. And God said it was time for his people to go. And so he says here, uh, again, the blood shall be for you, a token upon the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you, hence Passover. But they were to take hyssop, and they were supposed to put the blood of the lamb, of the sacrifice, on both sides of the door so that the Lord would pass over that house, and it would keep them safe. Their firstborn would be safe. And then he says, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you, when I smite the land of Egypt. Let's look at the next verse here. It says, And this day shall be unto you for a memorial. You shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it a feast by an ordinance. And look how long. This is the first time it mentions in here. You keep it as an ordinance forever. So the Jewish people to this day uh, celebrate Passover. And God tells them you're to do it. Why? To remember that God delivered them from the oppression of Egypt and ultimately, that Jesus Christ came and died for our sins and delivered us for a home in heaven. And so you could see the comparison there uh, very clearly. And so he, he tells them to keep that ordinance. And then in verse um, 15, it says, Seven days shall you eat unleavened bread. Even the first day you shall put away a leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. And in the first day, there shall be a holy convocation. In the seventh day, there shall be a holy convocation to you. No manner of work shall be done in them, save that which every man must eat, that only may be done of you. And then the next verse says, And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for in this selfsame day have I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall you observe this day in your generation. And look at it again here, just a few verses later, it says, By an ordinance forever. Because look what happened. He said, I, for in this selfsame day, he says, I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you observe the day. And what, what, why would they observe the day? 
to give honor to God. Uh, some of the same reasons that we celebrate, why do we celebrate Christmas? We celebrate that Christ came and died for us. Uh, you know, came to this earth and was born, I'm sorry. And then at Easter, we celebrate his death, burial, and resurrection. And so the Passover was a way of showing that God delivered them from Egypt. Well, let's go into verse 18 here. It says, In the first day of the 14th day of the month at even, you shall eat unleavened bread until the 1 and 20th day of the month at even. Seven days shall there be no leaven um, in your houses. For whosoever eateth that which is leavened, even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he be a stranger or born in the land. You shall eat nothing leavened in all your habitations, shall you eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called for the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. What was the Passover? The lamb that was being sacrificed. And then it says, And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of that door of his house until the morning. Why? The Lord was going to come and put to, get, put to death the firstborn. Look at the next verse. It says, For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. Why? Because Pharaoh's hardness of heart, the hardness of the people of Egypt, who didn't want the nation of Israel, which was literally their slaves and their workforce, they didn't want to let them go. They wanted them to stay and be their slaves and to work for them. But the Lord knows that's going to happen. And he says, well, again, when he sees the blood upon the lintel and the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. Uh, and it says, and you shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons. And again, look at this again, forever. The Passover was ordained by God for them to observe it so that they would always remember what God did for them to deliver them. And that's why we, on, on Sundays, we, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us as a, as a sinner. He's reconciled us to God and given us a home in heaven. The parallels between the Passover and our salvation and, our, and the Lamb and Jesus Christ are incredible. And again, he says, It's an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever. Look at the next verse. It shall come to pass when you, be, uh, when you be come to the land which the Lord will give you, according as he hath promised, that you shall keep this service. And it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you, What mean ye by this service? That you shall say, It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt, when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses. And the people bowed the head and worshipped. And the children of Israel went away and did as the Lord had commanded. Moses and Aaron, so did they. And it came to pass that at midnight, the, um, that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne, unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of cattle. So as, as you look at that, you know, if they didn't do exactly what God told them to do, their children would be in danger. But if they did exactly what God told them to do, God was protecting their children. And then look at verse 30. It says, And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all of his servants, and all the Egyptians. There was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine even in, the, in this town of Banning, if everybody woke up tomorrow morning, and their firstborn child was dead. 
You can imagine the wailing. You can imagine the sorrow. You can imagine all that they were going through. And so uh, you can imagine this. And, it didn't, and, and Pharaoh lost his firstborn too. And as you think about that, they were all a great cry because it says, look what it says there, there was not a house where there was not one dead. So everybody's house was suffering. Everybody was mourning. The only people that were spared was the Israelites who put the blood on their doorpost. Well, let's look at some slides here that go along with this, what we've looked at here. First one is, only those who obediently placed themselves under the blood of a sacrifice would be spared. See, it took a blood sacrifice. Back in the book of Genesis, when Adam and Eve sinned, they needed the covering of, they tried to cover themselves with, with, with plants. And, and God told them, no, there had to be a blood sacrifice for their sin. And so he shed an animal and gave them clothing. And then we mentioned Cain and Abel already and the type of sacrifice they were supposed to do. And uh, Abel did his the right way and Cain did not. And God was pleased with Abel's sacrifice, but not with Cain's. You know, you think of all the different things God told them to do, the Israelites, how important this was. They had to do it like God said. They couldn't come up with their own plan, their own way of trying to save their child. God said, do it my way. The lamb is a sacrifice for you. And then it says in the next slide to zoom in. The Passover lamb pictured how God offers salvation and forgiveness through faith in Jesus Christ, who is our Passover lamb. See, the only people that are going to be saved from an eternity in hell. See, we all die. We're all, we're all going to be eternal when we die, the saved and the unsaved. The difference is where are you going to spend your eternity? If you know Jesus Christ is your Savior and you've put your faith and trust in him like the Bible commands, you get to go to heaven and spend it forever with him. If not, you go to hell and you, you spend it forever separated from God. But see, this Passover lamb pictures how God offers our salvation through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. Then it says, apply it. The next slide here, it says, accept forgiveness and eternal life God made available to us through the sacrifice of Jesus, our Passover lamb. See, a lot of people trying to get to heaven different ways. They're trying to earn their way. They're trying to work their way. They're trying to get baptism to get them into heaven. They're trying many different ways to get into heaven. This morning, pastor mentioned how five times a day in Dubai, the people stop what they're doing and they pray to their false God. But see, here in America, we, not everybody in America is saved either. But see, those of us that know Christ around the world, doesn't matter what country, what, what beginnings, what origins, God gives, makes the playing field for salvation equal. It means that we have to believe that Jesus was our sacrifice. And all we have to do is accept it. It's a free gift to everyone. We looked at, Mike looked at this morning, that verse in um, Acts 2 that talked about whosoever whosoever, and, and that's also mentioned in Romans 10, 13 and other passages, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So that means everyone. And then next it says, what similarities do you see between the Passover sacrifice and Jesus' ultimate sacrifice? A couple of things I see in common. One, it, we mentioned this already, but he was perfect without blemish, without spot. And then two, it was a blood sacrifice. It required blood to cover the sin debt. And, and that, that's, that's what I see. And there's many others too, but that's the main two that stick out in my head. And then it says, what lessons can we learn about sin and forgiveness from the Passover accounts? Um, you think about God, in all the plagues, he had a way of protecting his people. And this plague, which would be the most important one, to not lose their firstborn child, 
God gave, a way, God gave a way of salvation for that child. And this was a physical salvation, but we can have eternal salvation through that. All right, well, let's look at our second point here. And that's that God sets his people, which would be the Christians, free. And that, that's, it says the children of Israel were in Egypt 430 years. The Egyptians were stubborn in their resistance of God, which led to wailing and anguish by all the Egyptians. Why? Because of all the plagues, but the last one being the worst, that they lost their firstborn. But there was rejoicing and freedom for God's people. See, God's people weren't, weren't um, in anguish because their children were alive. They listened to what God had to say. So let's look at the verses here. Let's go ahead and look at Acts 12, 31. We'll start there. It says, And he called for Moses and Aaron by night. And they said, Rise up and get you forth from among my people, both ye and the children of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you have said. And you might remember, he, um, Moses had asked several times for the Pharaoh to release them. And Pharaoh would not. And, and one of the reasons, as, as we went through the process of the other nine plagues, one of the reasons Moses asked to, so that they could worship and serve their God freely. And so God tells them here, get up and go. He says, both you and your children of Israel, go serve the Lord as you have said. Look what else God tells them to do here. It says, also take your flocks and your herds, and as you have said, and be gone and bless me also. You might remember that when they wanted to leave earlier, Pharaoh wanted them to leave stuff behind. And so God says, take it all. Take your flocks, take your herds, as you have said, and be gone. And look what he says, and bless me also. So as we look at that, um, Pharaoh's telling them to go. You know, he says, go. You know, that's something Pharaoh hadn't told him before. Pharaoh told him before, stay. But here, um, you know, it says in verse 30, back in verse 30, it said, Pharaoh rose up in the night. He and all his servants and all the Egyptian. There was that great cry in Egypt. For again, there was not a house where there was not one dead. So Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron by night. He said, rise up, get you forth from among my people, both ye and the children of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you have said. So Pharaoh says that to him. God's already made it happen. God's really saying it to him, but through the voice of Pharaoh. <laughs> kind of interesting. Then verse 32, he tells him to take everything, as you said. But look what happens here. Pharaoh, who had a hard heart, look what he says at the end of verse 32 here. He says, and bless me also. You know what Pharaoh realized? All of his fake gods and all of that were nothing compared to the God of Israel. And he said, bless me also. You know what he realized? Those ten plagues were a curse from the Almighty God. And he realized who God was. Now, there's no sign here that says he became a Christian, obviously. But he did acknowledge that they're God. And so he's telling Moses and Aaron to take the people and to go. Verse 33 says, the Egyptians were urgent upon the people that they might send them out of the land in haste, for they said, we be all dead man. You catch that urgency in verse 33? It says the Egyptians were urgent upon the people. In other words, they're, they're saying, hurry up and get out of here. By the way, that's one of the reasons the, 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 the Israelites used unleavened bread. They didn't have time to sit around and wait for their stuff to rise. They had to, they had to have food to take with them. And they got out of there fast. And it says... The Egyptians were urgent on them that they might send them out of the land of haste. Look what they said. We be all dead men. See, they, what happened, they saw what happened to their firstborn. And they said, if we don't get these Israelites out of here, we're all going to be dead, our whole nation. 
And so they're, they're in haste here. It's, it mentions the word, uh, mentions both those words, to be urgent and to do it in haste. Then look at verse 34. It says, And the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading troughs being bound up and their clothes upon their shoulders. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses, and they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. Because, see, they didn't have anything. They were, they were literally slaves in Egypt. And the, so the Egyptian people give them all these things. They give them silver, they give them gold, they give them raiment or clothing. And then the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. See, they didn't have that up until now. God gave them favor in the, in the sight of the Egyptians. Look what it says. So they lent them such things as they required, and they spoiled the Egyptians. In other words, they took the spoil. <laughs> and it says, The children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 on foot that were men besides children. If you read uh, the kind of the historical accounts, they estimate it was about 2 million people. Because you think about it, if there were 600,000 men, there could, have, there could have been easily as that many women besides children. So easily you would approach uh, upwards of 2 million people quickly. And again, that's an estimate, but we know that there were about 600,000 on foot that were men. And then it says, a mixed multitude went up and also with them and flocks and herds, every, or even much, very much cattle, sorry. And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough, which they brought forth out of Egypt, for it was not leavened, because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not tarry, neither had they prepared, them, prepared for themselves any victual. Uh, then it says, now the sojourning of the children of Israel who dwelt in Egypt was 400 and 30 years. And it came to pass at the end of the 430 years, even the selfsame day it came to pass that all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. Now, I want to make a comparison here that you don't always see here in the book of, in the Exodus out of Egypt to us today, but I want you to think of this. These guys had to be ready to go at a moment's notice. Remember how God told them to eat the bread. He said, have your shoes on, have your staff in your hand, be ready to go. Do you, you realize on Christ's second coming, what does it say in the Bible? It says he's going to come like a thief in the night. So what do we have to do? We ought to be at always ready to go to be home with our Savior. And again, whether he takes us through the rapture, when he takes us up out, or whether, he, whether we die and we go up to heaven, it's still the same basic point, which is be ready to go. And remember, they probably didn't see the urgency at first. They'd been there for 430 years. But now, this is the night of deliverance. And you think about it. You and I, when we got saved, was really our, our day of deliverance. But we physically haven't seen our deliverance to heaven yet. But we will one day, and we'll stand face to face with our Savior and our Lord. And he will have delivered us from here to there. And as you think about the excitement of that, could you imagine the excitement of the people? We're actually doing it. We're leaving tonight. If they were there 430 years, you could imagine all through each generation of those Israelites probably thought, okay, it's going to be my turn. To, to, we're going to be the group that gets to go out. And then the next people thought we were the group. You know, from, since I've been a little kid, people have been preaching that it's the end times and it's getting closer. And you know what? They're right. We're closer every day. We're closer to Christ's coming. But we don't know when that's going to be. So the Bible just tells us, to be ready. What's the first way you're ready? You accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior because then you have a home in heaven and you're ready. Uh, pastor said this morning, 
Where's, where's the sting of death? Where's the, where's the, the victory in that? There is none. For, for the, you know, in the Christian, we have our victory. Death doesn't sting us. It may kill our physical body, but it's not killing us spiritually. And our last breath here, our, our next breath there, Paul said in the New Testament, for me to live as Christ, to die is gain. Why? Heaven's so much greater. To live as Christ, but to die is vain. And look at verse 42 here. It says, It is a night to be much observed unto the Lord for bringing them out from the land of Egypt. This is the night of the Lord to be observed of all the children of Israel. And look what it says, in their generations or forever. So we think about that. You know, they were to tell their children, you know, the Bible says to train your child up in the Lord. And so they were to tell their children what God had done for them. Think about your children. You've shared the gospel with them. You bring them to church so they can hear the word of God. You invest in them spiritually. And why? Because as a parent, you're going to make sure that they have the shot to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And you're, you're going to encourage them to do that. But you're also going to train them in the ways of the Lord. And so the way we do that is we pass it on to our children. And each generation sees God do something that he didn't do in the previous generation. But the same promise, then on the same token, we see different blessings for different generations, but we also see the same promise for all generations, which is our home in heaven. That, that's for all. So let's look here at uh, some of the slides that go along with that. Uh, the first one says, apply it. Uh, it says here, whoops, sorry, i got to flip my page here. With the help of the Holy Spirit, believers are free to live a new life of joy and obedience to God. See, Mike mentioned that this morning. In Acts chapter 2, he talked about the coming of the Holy Spirit. But we're free to live a new life of joy and obedience to God. See, the Holy Spirit helps us to do that. He's our comforter. He's left to us by God. And then it says uh, on the next slide, what are some practices of our culture accepts and encourages that keep us from freely serving God? You know what that could be? Any distraction, any distraction that keeps us from... um, from worshiping our God or from serving our God. And you know what? There's things that aren't bad for us. Going to a ball game, going to the beach, going to Disneyland, entertainment, things that we watch, things that we hear. But are they keeping us from what we need to do for God? And so um, there are practices in our culture that can keep us from that, and it's been true from the beginning. You've often heard there's nothing new under the sun. There's new ways to get it to you, but it's the same temptations given to us. And then it says, in what ways have you seen people set free from the bondage of sin? Isn't it a miracle? You know, people say, wish God would do miracles today. Do you realize that every time a person is born again, it's a miracle of God? I've seen so many people be delivered from stuff, first of all, from your sin, and knowing that you have a home in heaven. But then I've seen people delivered from the, 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 the bonds of alcohol, the bonds of drugs, uh, the bonds of, uh, of anger, the bonds of uh, abusiveness. Um, I've, I've seen God just deliver in so many ways to those that turn their life over to him. And God, God, it's just amazing to see God do something in a life of a person. See, we, we, you ever, you've heard people tell you this, even unsaved people say, don't forget where you came from. Don't forget where you came from. Well, you know what? I don't forget where I came from. I'm a wicked sinner that deserve hell. I sin daily. But yet my Lord and Savior died on the cross for those sins and reconciled me a home in heaven. 
You see, I'm smart enough to know because God's given me the intelligence to realize that there's nothing I can do that would earn me heaven. I don't deserve it. And that's hard to wrap your head around because, you know, if you're saved long enough, you might start thinking you do deserve heaven. But see, we don't. Why? Because we're a wicked sinner. But our God loved us so much that he planned a perfect redemption for us if we'd simply put our faith and trust in God. Then our last slide today says this. says to live it. Again, think about your life before you came to Christ. What were you like? What sins were you in bondage to? You know, if you think about that, before we came to Christ, we had no hope of eternity. We feared death greatly. We had no hope. We thought only what was in this world was our hope. But before, that's what we were like. What were we like? We served our flesh. Whatever made us happy. The Bible talks several times throughout Scripture where people did what was right in their own eyes. That's kind of what we did before we were saved. We did what was right in our eyes, not what was right in God's eyes. But it says here, now think of your life, think about your life since you came to Christ. What difference has Christ made in your life and how has he set you free? Well, free from the bondage of sin. Free from the penalty of sin. Well, now, we are going to die physically, but through our belief and trusting Jesus Christ, we have an eternal home in heaven, so we will get heaven. Uh, we will be given heaven to us. And Christ now, what happens when you accept Christ is you slowly don't want to do your will anymore. You want to do God's will. And you know what? God's will is perfect. When we do it his way, he blesses, just like these guys on the Passover. If they wouldn't have take, listened to God and they wouldn't have got a lamb without blemish, and they wouldn't have taken the blood and put it on their doorposts, you realize that their firstborn would have died? But God blessed them through obedience. And, and, and we need to, uh, we, you know, we, our life changes in that. We want to be obedient to God. Again, not for salvation, but God said this. Christ himself said, if you love me, keep my commandments. In other words, it's a natural byproduct of our uh, Christian salvation, is that we'll want to live for him and obey him. And then it says, um, praise Christ each day this week for dying on the cross as your sacrificial lamb and share with someone what he has done for you. See, a lot of times we won't share with other people because we think we need to know all the Bible verses. We need to know everything, uh, the Romans wrote or whatever from scratch. And the truth is we do need to be able to share intelligently and we need to be able to share biblically. But you know, a lot of times it's just sharing what Christ has done in our own life. You know what? You can't always convince another person that they're a sinner that's in need of a Savior, but they'll listen to you say that you were a sinner that needed a Savior. They'll listen to you say how you needed a, a home in heaven. See, we give them the example. Christ was our example, and then we give the example of ourselves, that what God did for us. And then we share out of the Scripture. See, it's a lot easier for someone to understand that they're a sinner that's in need of a Savior when they understand that you and I were a sinner in need of a Savior as well, when they realize that no man is perfect, there is none righteous, no, not one. But see, accepting Christ, accepting that perfect lamb sacrifice is easy. But it wasn't easy for Christ, as we've looked at through the time leading up to Easter and then uh, celebrating and rejoicing that on Easter that he rose again. It wasn't easy for Christ, but he did it anyway because he loved us. All you got to do is know that you need a Savior, put your faith and trust in Christ who died for you on the cross. You can have that eternal 
home in heaven. Well, I know we looked at a lot of verses tonight. We looked at 42 verses in the book of Exodus. But hopefully it was a help to you to see the comparison between the lamb at Passover that delivered those Israelite children in Egypt before they, ex- before they exited and then comparing that to what our Savior did for us at Calvary. Hope you have a good week, but like the challenge us to do in our thing, I, I, I hope that you will understand what Christ did for us and then feel compelled to just give it to others. Thank you. Good night.